Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Seary. Last week, uh, we talked a little on how corporations are profiting immensely off of medication and treatments. And really, the only way for us to quote-unquote fight back is to get on board and invest in some of these companies so that you can share in the rewards and profits. This week, uh, there's a slightly different theme. First of all, I wanted to say that I appreciate everyone's support for this podcast and how you've joined the Facebook community. And second, I would like to ask for your feedback. I posted a poll on Facebook asking kind of what you guys want to hear about. And I think there are about four responses out of about 299 group members. So I'm going to just say it. Y'all need to do better. I need some help here. All right, so moving on. Some of the feedback was to hear more stories about how Scott almost died. My friend Zach and I had a saying for quite a while that it wasn't really an adventure unless someone almost died. And that happened quite often. Now, granted, these were calculated risks, and there wasn't really a time that we were in great danger, but we could have been. I'll get to one of my favorite stories of almost dying here in just a minute, but first, there was another suggestion that I wanted to dip into, and that is to tell you about how I invented snowboarding. So, I was there. Yeah, it was called the 80s. Ford was president, Nixon was in the White House, and FDR was running this country into the ground. I was bumming in a hole-in-the-wall town in what is now called Utah. And then some fellow from Colorado shows up, and he starts making so-called improvements, right? Now, before we knew what hit us, the streets are running with latte. It got so bad that a fellow that liked to, you know smoke a little grass or drink a little ripple, crow like a rooster, and maybe challenge the mayor's son to a gentleman's duel was, quote, uncouth and against God. More like bad real estate values. Now, I don't want any credit for it, for inventing snowboarding, but they just keep giving it to me. All right, so we'll move on to a tale of near death. This one takes place sometime around the spring of 06 or 07. It was a time before marriage, before children, and when disappearing into the mountains for days on end really didn't upset the balance of the universe. I'm not saying that being married or having children is a bad thing, nor is it undesirable. It just means that priorities shift and there's more to take care of than merely myself. So there we were opening day of bear hunting season, and we loaded into Zach's 1970s Jeep, without the doors, of course, and we headed south into the Priors. The Prior Mountains are a magical place. They have deep canyons with endless caverns, wild animals, and little people. The Priors are known for their mystical charm. And Of course, there are a number of bears that run around up there as well. And so that's where we decided to go hunt for them. We knew that 
The Crooked Creek Canyon is deep and dense, and we figured, hey, if I was a bear, that's where I would hang out. There's just one problem. To get into Crooked Creek, you either hike from way down near the bottom of the canyon, or you get in via another means of descending down a steep cliff cliff face. Because there was a cave in the canyon that we wanted to check out, we decided that hiking around four miles from the bottom of the canyon was not going to cut it. So instead, we packed ropes and climbing gear to rappel down the cliff. And since there's a creek at the bottom of the canyon, and we didn't just bring our hunting gear, we also brought fishing poles so we could fish the creek. Our plan was to simply rappel into the canyon, maybe hunt for a little while, fish for a little while, check out the cave that we could see from the top, and hopefully we'd find a bear and shoot the bear. But we didn't really think that one fully through, because had we indeed shot a bear at the bottom of the canyon, there was the whole, you know, get the bear out of the canyon by means of a single rope strung on the cliff face. Probably the good news is that we didn't actually shoot any bears that day. The poor choice was descending into the canyon in the first place. Now, as we approached our access point, a kind of misty rain started to trickle down. It wasn't enough to turn us around, but it was certainly enough to make everything sopping wet. We built our anchor and dropped over the cliffside. That cliff wasn't, like, huge, but it wasn't small either, maybe about 100 feet or so. And the rope that we brought along was Zach's 8mm dynamic rope. And if you know anything about rock climbing, a dynamic rope has a bit of stretch to it. That way, if you're scaling up a mountain and you fall, the rope will stretch instead of a static rope, which does not stretch. And if you fall on a static rope, you just completely blow your back out and probably die. So we had the stretchy rope, which is great if you happen to fall on it, but it's not so good for ascending up and out of a canyon. We geared up, and I hooked in to wrap into the canyon. I had some thin power stretch gloves on, which turned out to be very beneficial. I just wish they were uh, thicker gloves, because when I stepped over the side of the cliff, I could feel that the rope was quite a bit thinner than what I'm used to and what my repel device is made for. The thin rope running through that device means that you go a bit faster than you would like. So I pulled that rope as far behind my back as I could reach in an attempt to slow myself down a little bit. Thin ropes, wet gloves, and a sheer 100-foot cliff meant I was not able to stop myself as I descended. It also meant that I actually wasn't even able to slow myself down. Now, at the beginning, the weight of the rope helps to pull on the rappel device and keeps you from going too fast. But as I approached the bottom, there was less weight below me and less chance of me slowing down at all. So I was about 15 or 20 feet off the ground and I was moving fast enough that my hand was burning through my glove. My arm was wrenched way behind my back as I tried 
as hard as I could to slow myself down, and all I was doing was picking up speed. Now, fortunately, that rain made the ground a bit softer, and it wasn't actually a flat surface to land on, but a rather steep embankment. I smacked into the ground, and my knees buckled a little bit, and I kind of half rolled, half stumbled down that hill a little ways. When Zach came down, he had largely the same experience as I did, and we laughed it off, because getting into the canyon wasn't actually the only moment where we almost died that day. From the top of the canyon, you can look down and see Crooked Creek meandering through the bottom of the canyon there. You can see trees, and but you can't really see much else. And once you're down in the canyon, however, it's much different. Other than you really can't see much else still. Because those trees are quite dense and there's plenty of undergrowth. And we realized there was not a good clear path to walk upstream for a few hundred yards to the cave that we wanted to check out. And then we also realized that at this point the rain had swollen the creek and now instead of a nice clear trout-filled waterway, it was a bubbling brown murky mess. And that creek was really our only means of progressing through the canyon. So instead of fighting the trees and the undergrowth, which literally had jungle vines growing in it, these vines were like an inch or two in diameter, and they were actual vines like draped through the trees. It's one of the only places in Montana I've ever seen such growth, and I should probably go back, maybe bring a better rope and not do it on a rainy day and not carry a gun down into the canyon. So anyway, we hiked up the creek, we slogged our way through, the water soaking our feet to the bone, and we found the cave. Going in to explore it, we realized that it only went in about 10 or 20 feet. It was nothing real exciting, except that the muddy embankment to get to the mouth of the cave meant we had a couple of slips, but even if we had tumbled, it would really just be down a hill right into the creek. So we sat down in the rain, and we ate our lunch. We did the rabbit squealer trying to call in some bears, and we realized that bears aren't stupid. And they aren't going to be tromping around in the rain and gross weather. Instead, they are all holed up in their caves, snugly snoozing away and not freezing their asses off. So we called it quits and decided to get out of the canyon. We tromped back downstream through the murky water, and it's a wonder that we didn't roll various ankles. But we eventually got back to the rope. Zach ascended up first, and I watched as that dynamic rope stretched and bounced the entire way up. He tied his bag off to the end of the rope and was going to haul that out later. I decided just to leave my pack on, and I bounced and stretched my way up the rope as well hoping that my ascenders did not slip off this tiny, skinny, little 8mm rope. When I got to the top, I saw where the rope dropped over the edge of the cliff, and I noticed that with every step up, it bounced and rubbed right on the ledge. It was enough to concern me that a bit more bouncing was going to wear right through the rope. 
So Zach, I'm at the top at this point. He just looked at me and says, yeah, I had an eye on it. I wasn't going to tell you about it, though. Nobody fell. Nobody was injured. But the we almost died was still just getting started. Because at this time, Zach's Jeep was relatively new to him. He hadn't upgraded to the monster-sized off-roading tires. It just had the little road tires on it. And now that the rain had thoroughly soaked the land, all the dirt was turned into mud. So as we drove down the twisty and turny mountain road, there were a few places where we had rocks on one side, kind of almost like driving next to a cliff, going up, we're at the bottom of it. And on the other side, it was a drop down into a, not a deep coulee, but a, a good size drop that was definitely not something you would want to roll a vehicle down sideways. The road wasn't very steep either, but it was very slick. And as we went down around those twists and turns, the wheels would lock up and the vehicle would start to skid sideways around the corner. I believe uh, the kids these days are calling that drifting. I don't know. I saw a Fast and Furious movie about it once. So I was in the passenger seat and I'm looking out the gap where the door was removed from and I see the vehicle slide sideways and watching us just go right toward that drop off into the coulee. And I was like, well, this is it. This is how it all ends, rolling into a mud-filled coulee in the priors. Now, of course, at the last minute, the tires grabbed on, the vehicle straightened out, and the extent of the damage was just a bit of extra adrenaline pumping through us. Until we got to the next scary, crazy, muddy twist and turn in the road, where I decided I was just going to jump out and I'd walk through the, the treacherous part of it and get back in the jeep on the other side so we found our way back to the pavement and we headed home we decided that the bears are fair weather beings and the likelihood of finding one when it's rainy and miserable out is lower than our threshold of minimum fun factor and perhaps another time we'll discuss fun factors and types one and two funs but for now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right, and if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Please join the Facebook community if you haven't done so already. Feel free to ask questions over there, and remember that it's not actually an adventure unless someone almost dies. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.